Welcome, Shruti. Welcome, Aziz. Great to have you all back here. Um, today, I'm really excited to dive deep into your career and yours, uh, and just figure out the mental models that are common. You're also unique in the way that you're a couple yeah. who's, uh, at least I have seen, always supporting each other's goals. So, Aziz has done a wonderful podcast with us. It's lovely to have you back. But I'm going to start with you, Shruti. Um, tell me what you're doing now, and uh, just walk us through your journey so far. First of all, thank you for having me and uh, I don't want to immortalize what happened for eternity so but thank you everyone for putting up with me. Uh, but uh, okay, so uh, what I'm doing right now is I have just started something called SER. Uh, SER derives from the Indian word, right? Like, you know, go out for a leisurely stroll and uh, it's an experiential travel company. And what we want to do is sort of like take uh, the idea of why you go on a holiday and start from the obvious, which is the things you do and build from that. So like let's say you could go to Badami and Aihole with someone you know who's like passionately interested in the history of the place, has spent a lot of time researching it and is like kind of like in the same wavelength as you, right? So like when you talk to them, they're not like a professor. They're not like a professor looking down on you or anything. It's, a, it's literally like a friend who's like super smart and super into this who takes you along. So uh, that's like literally one of the things that actually they're looking to offer soon. Uh, the second kind of thing that I wanted to offer was like a very HBS experience. So Harvard Business School, you have this like insane amount of travel that goes on and it keeps adding to your loan burden by the way. Uh, but uh, the thing is that the treks are actually an opportunity for interested students to take you on a like a real journey around their country, right? So you get this really smart, really dedicated person trying to explain their country, like whether it's historical, political, uh, natural and show it to you and you realize that like these treks feel very different from like your everyday holiday, right? So this is like Airbnb on steroids. So I wanted to build something like that and the reason why we want to do that is that, you know, I have always sort of like wanted to like find some sustainable business model that brings impact together uh, with just like, you know, like a, a preservation of identity and a celebration of identity, right? So to me, like, so again, like I've been doing, I think there's one of those like weird things where you do 10 different things and suddenly it clicks together and starts making sense. So before this, I, so before this, I was in IIT Delhi where I was an engineer. I never learned anything engineering worthy. Uh, but you but, were a gold medalist, right? Yes. Uh, for extracurricular yeah. activities, which meant that I studied enough and I did like a ton of other things, right? So I was always organizing things. Uh, we were actually like the first girls hostel group to win the English debate and literary competition and the other person Abhilasha Sinha who is like my colleague from IIT Delhi uh, she was on the team with me so we know what it was like to have like this 50 year legacy of like being called losers and not you know understanding what is it that you need to do to win and going from that one year to the next year sort of like you know like really knocking everyone's socks off and like, you know, with each round that went on, people's like jaws were like dropping wider and wider. And like, at the end, like honestly, I called up my dad and said, you know what, we've had a fantastic run and I don't know how this happened, but we are here. And the first time in IIT Delhi's history, a girls team is about to win like this debate competition. And all the guys are just like, what the hell happened? Did they have access to all the topics or what is going on? And they're all kind of like, what does this mean for our internal politics? Does this mean that I will not get to be general secretary? And we're all like, oh my God, we're winning. So, uh, so again, like you get to do that kind of thing in IIT Delhi and what you come away with is not engineering. You come away with this idea of building culture, building an organization, building a team. Because next year when we left or like, you know, like two years later when we leave, who takes that forward? And it's okay, like for, like Abhilasha stayed with this for three years. I stayed with debating for two years. I did more on lit, I did more on publication, but that's what I took out of IIT. Then you come to like, uh, I went to Bain & Company, uh, the typical consulting gig. Again, I got very lucky in that one of the cases I did was selling, okay, so I think it's been long enough, so like selling viscose fiber in like, you know, uh, Tamil Nadu and Punjab and Bengal. And it is nothing like a, like a typical consulting case, right? A typical consulting engagement has a million dollar slide and you're basically working towards filling up that slide. So this was much more like just like starting up, right? They had no idea how to sell viscose in India. And so you were like a startup, you know, where your team is, does not have the answers. And everyone's kind of like having these like moments of existential dread. Okay, we promise something to like the clients, we have these goals. And how do you do that? So it was a very different engagement. And I realized very soon that this different piece that I loved 
is not what I should expect in consulting, right? So consulting is not the right place for me if this is what I like to do. Uh, for some reason, the, the company hired the world's most expensive salespeople uh, to sell textile factories. They did really well. <laughs> no, so Aziz, tell us, like, how did you and Shruti meet? Uh, we met again. Aziz got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Aziz got lucky, and but tell us how you got, how you guys met. <laughs> we were batchmates in IIT Delhi. Yeah. Uh, and we met doing different extracurricular things. Uh, among them, the debating that you already mentioned. And so you were the ones who lost to Abhilasha and her. Yes. Evidently, someone has given you some insider dope into into all of this. But Abhilasha and I were both were actually good friends. I didn't know Shruti very well, but I did know that she was part of this sort of really. Uh, Kikas group of girls who was really, which was really doing well, uh, and so there was some sort of attraction, and then after we lost, I think the attraction became more because you know that's how that's how things happen, uh, and that's how we met, and we started dating sort of in third year of IIT, and have been at it since. So. No, that's wonderful. But I've seen that both Shruti and uh, Aziz, who we've had on a podcast before, actually even Abhilasha, many of you would have heard a podcast. Um, how did you both decide your career trajectories? Because till HBS, it sure. just seems like two very similar people who have had very similar choices. Sure. Um, so are you very much alike as people and how did this happen? Um, IIT, then consulting, then somewhat impact space and then business school. So that time that when I felt that consulting is the wrong gig for me, Aziz was like exploring moving full time into like Pratham and like into the, and he was checking out the NGO educational space and I was like very inspired by him. So we were still dating then and uh, you know, like it was kind of more like, you know, he's the really cool friend who I aspire to be like in many ways. And so I was like, wow, impact is so great. And like you can have goals in life beyond like you know, earning a salary. And, and so I come from a very middle class family, right? So we have three sisters. Eldest is a doctor. I am the engineer. Youngest is a doc- is a lawyer. So we're like full, like, you know, full professional set. Uh, but like Aziz was like, you know, boss, like in life, what are you doing beyond this like rat race kind of thing? Now look, so I went to Omidya Network, which is a really amazing impact fund. But it's also pretty much part of the rat race in some ways today, right? So, but when Tell me I, more about that. Sure. So when I did Omidya Network, they had not hired anyone at the analyst associate le- like level really. And it wasn't like an established path to HBS or anything like that. Today, I think it kind of has become. So I was the first person. Then Apoor came after me. He is in HBS this year. We hired someone else. Um, and so hopefully he's not looking to go to HBS too. Because I think my boss is getting tired of finding people. Uh, but it's a small outfit, right? So, like, all VCs are small, acyclical outfits. And uh, we just got lucky in being there at the right place, right time. And uh, so, Jayan Sinha, who was the MP, right? He set up this office. And uh, what his vision was uh, and, like, what came across, uh, we're just, like, lucky that there was, like, someone interested in building this kind of, like, an outfit in India at that point. And Owen has, like, again, like, you know, it has, like, reinvented itself constantly, unlike many other outfits in India so like so again like I said it was a lucky break for me that I went through and got into impact investing if not that I was looking at foundations so again foundations is kind of like this like you know it's kind of like the kiddie pool where you dip your toes into impact you're still getting a salary uh, but you're also like talking to people and you're funding programs and supposedly getting closer to doing impact uh, now today I have a very different view like you know that I should have been more courageous and I should have pushed myself more so, but I could see Aziz doing that so that, that pushed me to at least like go out and try. And there is a career kind of risk that comes with going into foundations and impact funds, which is that does it kind of like, you know, set you into a path that's not very deep in India. It's a shallow pool. There are like about 10 funders maybe. Yeah. And so, so that was a concern. But like that was like my level of risk was like kind of here and Aziz was going out there. So... I think, we, I think we both pushed each other and I think, I think the first stage of our career, I mean, IT and then consulting was basically a no-risk path, right? You sort of went, I mean, you... But I will say it is a very hard path. It's not as, as we discovered in the pod, podcast, very few people actually get into the consulting firms, yeah. especially the aspirational ones. So you both would have, I think, yeah. prepared sort of hard yes. to get in, right? We, yes. def- we definitely did. We spent a lot of time, especially... I mean, a lot of IT is about doing a lot of different things and those things combined to put you on a particular path and and then you have to get lucky uh, during your preparation, interviews and all of that. 
so we were lucky but at that time we weren't really thinking of exploring something outside the beaten path so to say but we did think that consulting is a good way to get some very interesting experience learn things you know get a sort of ceo view let's stay on this for a little sure. bit because i think that's all i know many of you are think or at some point think about consulting why because it's a it's a prestigious option opens your mind to a variety of industries and helps you sort of build a network in things and basically sets you up uh, for success and even two people who you see right now who were exploring a variety of things during their undergrad still chose consulting but you don't necessarily have to because yes. the sad part of consulting especially the top tier consulting is that they already go to a very selected pool of people and within that they pick a selected set of people there's nothing wrong with you if you don't get in but i'm just saying that by repeatedly banging your head against one particular option you may not be setting your up for success so i think maybe both of you can describe during college what were the conversations that you had that made you decide for consulting and second is that when you were both doing well at consulting how what conversations were you having that led you to um, whatever choices you made sure um, so to start with on like uh, iit itself and how we looked at consulting there it was just kind of uh, iit has many different kinds of prestigious prestigious jobs and the most prestigious are like ones that maybe like not everyone hears about but uh, like my batchmate went into like facebook early on and earn stock there so i am like kind of like you know here and like she is again like i'm saying there are a lot of people in iits who are doing amazing fundamental stuff which we will not hear about until maybe like the next 10 years right uh, there's another batchmate who went on to isro now uh, so there are a lot of people doing lots of different things in iits also what i took out of iit was that i like hacking things together i like making things happen so again like whether it's setting up culture or like making publication happen in a better way on campus thinking about how can you go out and actually integrate you know like so iit is very isolated how can you integrate more closely with the rest of the student community i just realized that that's what i enjoy doing so one thing i think all iits come out with is the sense that you have to push and do things yourself so this will result sometimes in things like you know there's a very famous thread in uh, international academia where like you know thousands of iit students will spam like these european universities every summer and we're all just trying to find like this holiday supposedly and that's true it's kind of like what iitians do but that's the thing about iit right they teach you like even like way before anyone gave me this like sales about cold call i knew about cold calls because i had done tons of them at iit right so that's where and so again consulting was one of the many parts in front of me uh, but why did you choose that specifically sure it seemed the most open it seemed the like and so to me at that point i had no idea what i really wanted to do i think and so the same to be like the least restrictive of my options which would let me do many things beyond that yeah i think very similar for me i mean i was not a technical person or i was not someone who was sort of at, at the heart of it interested in engineering uh, or 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 in something of that sort so the other path that became open was business uh and if you look at the options that came on campus i think yeah it was either sort of technical roles or business roles now within business as well uh consulting was good because uh, you don't have to decide at that point so it's a way of sort of kicking the can down the road in a, if you look at it cynically but in other ways it's also a way that you can sort of look at different industries you can look at different functions within industries and uh, so that's one big part second is people are very good uh, and so you have a lot of different people who are very very strong i think some of the people i worked with at mckinsey i still regard as being really really strong problem solvers good at communication many other things so very strong skill building experience uh, and i think that the third part on uh, on consulting uh, is that you got us i think a top down view of an organization which is very hard to get at that stage of your career so typically you start uh, you know once upon you graduate you know as an analyst or whatever in in, a, in in any sort of company in any sort of business role so you're doing a little particular thing working with your boss on on some particular project but typically as a consultant you are doing something that is very fundamental to your client and you're working with the ceo or the cxo or some member of the high level team to to solve a challenge that the company needs going forward whether it's operations or strategy and so it gives you an idea uh it is at the strategic level of you know what a company how a company works and what the, uh, the challenges that the ceo faces so i think that's a very valuable part what it doesn't do i think is to give you an idea of actually if you are to get down and actually start a company uh 
how do you really do that how do you do initial hiring or any sort of hiring so i think there's something that doesn't give you but there are many others at a sort of high that level sort of this. equips you to that um so i think uh, thank you both i'm just going to come to the other aspect of the conversation you were having when you were consultants but an interesting fun fact you know reed hoffman the co-founder of linkedin there are two kinds of people he quizzes a little more or extra hard during funding do you know who they are consultants and mbas <laughs> and the three of us are actually even at some point even i was a consultant but yeah consultants and mbas get extra love from the likes of reed hoffman because of the precise reason that he just mentioned while it does give you the top down view it has little skin in the game although that is changing now with with the way the industry is evolving but yeah just that was just fyi tell tell us about the conversations that you were having uh, during consulting did you have an existential crisis at all yeah so to actually just return to that remark you made uh, in the previous question like you know you were doing well at consulting i was not doing well at consulting when you choose a path that doesn't really naturally fit with who you are or what you want to do you're not going to be great at it so i don't think i was a great consultant at all my favorite case was a case that i think everyone else sort of like look back at like oh that horrifying thing that happened to us um so uh, so yeah so the conversation that i was having that i was enjoying at like uh, at bain and company where like you know around the bain like philanthropy report release and and honestly like i i did it and then i was like okay that was not that was not actually a lot of fun like you know like you think that you're doing impact by releasing the report you just aren't you you're just contributing maybe to help others who are doing impact do better but it's like it's a very like it's a very distant relationship to take any satisfaction out of yeah. two i saw some consulting in the social sector and i thought maybe i should try that but honestly uh, having been on the engagement for a very little while before leaving that did not make sense to me either right so the conversation that i was enjoying was still the same like you know are you starting something are you getting a group of people together are you doing something new are you trying out something that no one's really tried before and uh, that is a good way to do it and by the way this is not like some like you know i am hacking and i'm putting together this amazing mvp and now we're going to take off and we're going to receive funding kuch bhi nahi hai like this is literally i'm trying to put a community together and i am very aware that this community is going to be hard to build the reason why i like you know i like utkarsh honestly i admire you is i don't know how do you get 10000 like members onto a facebook group and have them be engaged and have them turn up to events and, and like how do you build this community right yeah and and no, we can touch upon that uh, you know so, thankfully yeah. like we have 50000 now and 100000 oh, podcast awesome. subscribers so there you thanks go all right now let's start No, but how about you, Aziz? Did you have an existential crisis? I, if I remember, you were doing quite well at consulting. Yes. He was such a like you know love of like every partner. Like one of his partner funded me. Okay, like, we're yeah. gonna come to that. A lot of people actually want to hear more about it. But uh, tell us about the existential crisis, if at all. Yeah. So I, I was enjoying consulting, and uh, I think uh, good people, good problem solving, all of that. Uh, but I think for me, I'd come into consulting with a plan that in two years I will go and try and do something in social impact. I think where consult- so the existential crisis was not really okay. Should I leave and do something else? That was sort of the plan. But I think what consulting helped me figure out is what role do I want to do in social impact, uh, or actually in life more broadly, uh, because you can do many different sorts of things, uh, which are all very good for the the type of person who wants to do them. So, for example, in social impact alone, you can do probably funding, which should be great. Uh, you can uh, you can work in research and advocacy, and a lot of people do that. Go into academics or go into think tanks or other things. Uh, you can work and you can work in an implementation sort of role in organization, and there are a couple of other paths as well. But these are some. Of, you can be a consultant, development sector consultant uh, at Dalberg or Bridgepan or whatever. So there are a bunch of paths that you can do. And how do you decide what in what way do you want to create impact? Right? Because all of these ways. help you create impact and for me one project i did was a sort of research piece it was with the mckinsey global institute which puts out these sort of reports right so if you see something that says okay mckinsey has estimated that the healthcare industry will go 50% by 50% in 2020 which is mostly incorrect always if you look back uh, but uh, you know all these estimates and reports are released by mckinsey global institute and i worked on a report uh, on the path from poverty to empowerment for india uh, that came out in 2014 Uh, and so I did the research, and I really liked the intellectual stimulation and all of that. Uh, so really enjoyed it, but realized that I'm too far from that. Uh, 
uh, to really enjoy it, right? I mean, I put together this theoretical report, all of that, but not to fun, not to fun. And then I also did an implementation piece where I was really sort of in the on the ground, in the weeds, like really implementing, putting processes, but probably not thinking at a strategic or vision level at all. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed that as well, and I realized that you know I don't want to be at the just the research level, but I also probably don't want to be only in the weeds and only doing implementation. And so I was trying to think is what is the middle path, right? And yeah. then I mean, to some ways, it's that is the role of a general manager or a CEO or whatever you call it, right? If you are at the top, you're the CEO. Otherwise, you're general manager where you're thinking of or a product manager, say in, in tech. So that's a role where you have to sort of think of where to go and then you have to also implement it. And I figured that's what I like. And that's where, why I went into Pratham at that point where it was a uh, implementation role, but where I also had to conceptualize the model and the strategy. Yeah. So that helped me. No, that's wonderful. Um, so Shruti, after uh, Bain and Company, you got into Omidyar. Right. Uh, it's a very hard place to get into. Do you remember? Sure. What was the process like and how were the two years at Omidyar? Uh, three years. Three years. How were they like? How did they change you, if at all? Sure. So, uh, Omidyar was like <coughs> one of the most atypical recruitment processes for me ever. Uh, like we started off like with me visiting, well I had like this one call which I thought it totally blew. Because like uh, what ended up happening was, was that uh, this guy asked me like how do you calculate the share price of a company and I was like okay so like how do I think about this and like so on the fly I'm trying to figure out what later on I realized is discounted cash flow and uh, terminal values so I completely missed out on this concept of terminal value I will not touch upon it that's not the point of this conversation but uh, so I came back and I was blown it uh, but then like four days later I got a call and they said really liked it you were showing like first principle thinking and we think there's a values match we, li- we just like talking to you, so come and talk to us. So I went to their uh, office, right? And I think sometimes I am struck by how little I think we prepare when we are doing interviewing. Because when I went in, I read their portfolio, I read what they want me to do, I read what they do. I read the papers <coughs> they published and so on. I took a general interest. And when I talked to everyone, obviously it comes across. And so like literally one of the interviewers asked me, oh, so you've seen that this company has this share price and you've seen that this is atypical. So just the fact that I actually cared about what they did seemed to have made a difference in the process. Right. Which which I think is like more about like how we do our applications and our processes. Mm -hmm. The last thing is that there was enormous cultural match with like the leaders I was talking to. And they made me speak right up to like Matt Bannick, who was at that point the global MD of Omidyar. So he used to be like the head of like eBay International and came in because Pierre Omidyar like funds, like he's the founder of eBay and he funds Omidyar Network. And the fact that they cared about me, an analyst in the India team, you know, like blew my mind. And uh, I was like, wow. So I was waiting a really long time, right? Two months. And there were other things I was not pursuing, but I was like... They really care about me and I really care about them. She was the junior most person in the entire global organization. Yes. <laughs> and the only one in coming and to the And the only one in my so match. I was wondering why all these people talking to her. I mean, yeah. And those three years? They were a reflection of the same process, which is that a genuine interest in you as a person. And uh, again, I think you, like when you work in a very small organization, you need to be very careful who you end up with. And again, I think uh, it's one of those things where I got really lucky that I had the choice about who to work with one year into my job at ON, right? So when I came in as an analyst, you were working the floor, you do whatever deal is coming across. Then uh, you could, then I could choose which uh, sort of like segment or track I want to align myself with. So that had given me a fair amount of time and exposure to the different leaders in the company. And my, like, so again, like one of like my mentors in life, uh, C.V. Madhukar, he was one of the guys that I was uh, working with in that one year. And uh, I think uh, VC or impact funding, a lot of people love the for-profit side uh, or they're daunted by like, you know, someone telling you something like, Shruti, how will we solve the judicial lockjam in India? And then following up with you one month later and asking you, what have you done? You don't seem to have done anything about this. It's still lockjam. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yes, I know. Uh, but so again, like talking to that person and working with that person uh, and realizing what a difference they can make to your life, I think that's what I got right at Owen. So one year into my journey, I decided to work in the governance and citizen engagement track. Uh, C.V. Madhukar became like my boss. Like he was already a mentor. He's a great guy. So he mentors every young person who comes to Owen. But choosing to work with him full time, like literally I think changed my personality. 
he was this guy who like very famously told me you know like and so again i'm like a i'm a worker bee so when you give me something i will do it and then i will say why did this person not do it why did that person not do it that's how that's how you are you know as a young person i think and uh, madhukar would be like you know shruti do you want to get it done or do you want to like tell me who's not doing it and that's a difference in leadership in some sense and that's a difference in leadership it's very hard for someone to do right not like not for me me getting the instructions one thing but for madhukar to say you be a leader is him taking an enormous sort of like leap of faith with me and he would always cover me right so if i failed he would take it on himself because he felt that he had enough gravitas in the organization to absorb it but if i did well he would broadcast it so if like in life finding the right mentors and working with them makes a humongous difference early on at oen being able to see who was most on my side and it's not hard you know he was doing things with me he was talking to me and making a decision that look there's a sexy thing and there is a thing that and, and i was not like attracted to governance i don't have like any innate passion for it okay but just like knowing that this person is a great boss and deciding to work for them that was like one of the best things i could do yeah, and just to build on that i think the in the first if i was to give some advice to people who are in the first two three to five years of their career i would say that more than uh, sort of organization or sector or other thing unless you're very very sure that this is something Yeah. which is my passion but if you're unsure choosing the person you're working with is the most critical i think more than probably role sector all of that Absolutely. because if you work with the right person then they will give you the chance to find the right role and the right fit and all of that and did you find that person at pratham yeah yeah so i think at pratham i, I was also pretty fortunate uh, i was working with uh, madhav chavan who was the founder of pratham and uh, started it now around 25 years ago Uh, and he was a phenomenal boss and, <clears throat> and and mentor, and I was sort of just lucky, right place, right time to uh, interview with him. And again, that's that's uh, and basically got a friend to connect me, friend McKinsey to connect me to him. A lot of people joined who were all also good profiles, etc., etc. But they talked to someone else within Pratham as well, someone at a sort of maybe different level, different type of person, and their path within the organization or their experience within the organization was very different. So another piece of advice would be like go and interview right away uh, with the person that you hope to be working with Absolutely. yeah uh, so i did that and uh, i mean he was again phenomenal one of the people especially in social impact you have some uh, a very very select bunch of people who have uh, over a period of years really created innovation and created change and you'll see something common in all these people that they're uh, really out of the box thinkers they really give people who work with them a lot of autonomy and trust and that's how they've been able to sort of work in a cash strapped resource strapped yeah. environment with no solutions and you know be able to come up with something that works and so he gave me a lot of autonomy a lot of authority uh, in sort of one year after i joined at the age of around 25 i was leading a very large group of people 500 plus people uh and and you know managing a pretty large program and that was down directly to to the person i worked with so did you uh go to mr madhukar like say, saying that hey could i be your mentee or was it a process that organically evolved i think um, and here like active reading kind of helped so the career track choice kind of like i fell into that a little bit more like um, like uh, artificially serendipitously the organization decided ki abhi hame initiative wise tracks banane hain so you choose your initiative i was like okay i will choose my initiative which i basically chose my boss um uh, but uh, when it comes to this like mentor mentee thing uh, so again he did not put a structure on it either but there was definitely like periodically and i and you could notice this periodically he would sit down and ask me what are you doing that's really pushing you that's pushing you as a person pushing your profile so again like one of his like complaints with me was shruti you're not putting your voice out there enough you're not developing any kind of opinion or like image of yourself you're not putting your name or your commitment on anything uh, i wasn't a leader when i was at oen right he was pushing me hard to become a leader but uh, and and that's what like his feedback to me would be and and he would again like you know give me like in the moment feedback on weaknesses so that is not the mentor mentee relationship that is just i have a working relationship with you but this he would specifically carve out time and come and talk to me and uh, at some point i realized you know i i'm reading these books and i'm reading these terms and like oh wow this is a cool concept and i should try it out and so then you go to madhukar and he say uh, oh you know like uh, i would like to do this and he's like yeah great and, and you know in his i can see like yeah we've been doing this but okay now we can call it a mentor mentee relationship so yeah 
in all, all cases it evolves uh, so aziz i actually met mr uh, like your your co-founder last to last week So we were a part of this working track on skilling and education. So I actually briefly went up to him and told him right. that I met him. What I was stunned by that person was sitting in the corner and he was easily the most uh, experienced and accomplished person in that room. But uh, the way he decided to express himself was with a with a real learner's mindset. So he wasn't sh- saying it in a way that he solved skilling. Now let me tell you how skilling is done. Right. but how we can learn and i think probably that's why he helped nurture aziz yeah. and mr madhukar i met as a at a lecture when i was uh, a student at the young india fellowship he had right. come to talk to right. us about governance and there also i noticed a very similar trend he was basically telling us broadly how he built the institution um and i also saw the learners mindset so i see that in a lot of good managers uh they they don't tend to tell you do this do that do that but they initially invite a lot of suggestions and one advice that i often give people is that what both shruti and aziz said choose the people because that will be the most defining aspect of success moving on um both of you are you know like your life partners thought partners also pushing each other to accomplish goals um how and why did business school happen and did you decide to apply to the same schools how to walk us through the process right I can start with this because in this case, I think Shruti pushed me towards uh, sort of thinking more seriously about business school. Uh, so I think we were both doing fairly well in what we were doing, enjoying what we were doing, and uh, at least for me, a lot of the thought was that you know, doing well, doing what I want to do later as well. I mean, I'm not going to switch careers or something because I mean, one of the big reasons people go is to switch careers. I didn't want to do that. uh and so i was trying to figure out what the value add is going to be uh and i think shruti pushed me to say that you know uh going into business school is going to give a different perspective sort of help expand networks and all of that uh and so the bunch of reasons because of that uh eventually ended up applying uh in terms of applying together and where we were applying we applied to uh, only a couple of places uh this was round 1 and both of us applied to the same two places in round 1 and we thought we'd figure out the rest later and we're lucky enough to get into one of them together and so then it became a very but what was the match going on what if one person gets into one school the other person gets into other both get in one gets in what we, we how did tried, you tried we tried to match geography so we have a question okay so we so we 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 had a geographic uh, like filter for sure right so like we were so like we were like let's go out and uh, do all of this like put all our applications out and hope they will get choices and if we don't get choices we think about it at that point and and the uh, commitment was there that if we need to spend two years apart and we both think it's worth it then we will do it but there's if we can we would love to be in the same geography if we can we'd love to be in the same campus so that's kind of how we started off we also know that there is a large cost to going to usa and so that was part of our factors two people going from the same family uh, certainly it's not like a financially it doesn't look like doesn't help your pocket right yeah <laughs> no it, it yeah. didn't uh, and, and again we're all like we are both from very like kind of like you know middle class uh, background so there's no uh, there is a safety net like we're not going to start but that's about the length and breadth or depth of that safety net right <laughs> this was a concern in my mind like how exactly do we think about financing this and so then you go to these events and like you talk and you realize very soon the top schools actually are the best at funding so then like you okay you know like great so you have to like restrict your search to those places which could give you enough funding to make it to make sense as a couple and then you have to have a good chance of getting that funding source like aligned and then like hopefully you'll all end up in the same place and you also need to get in right so tell us how you got in uh yeah i mean i think to some extent uh, especially with the top say 5 to 10 schools uh i mean there's a substantial bit of luck involved so i think that's definitely there we i mean i think we uh, if we talk more about the process right i think uh we decided let me make this question more specific i think both of you have had very very good profiles right. yeah. for the lack of better words right. i do not like that word at all by the way profile <laughs> but for the lack of better word let's say you got a great profile how did you decide to uh, what was the process of writing what you learned in 1200 words walk us through that sure so i think it was a very it's very tortuous type of process i mean it takes a lot of thinking it takes a lot of 
uh, effort to really think through and it requires a lot of redrafting. I mean, I remember like changing drafts again and again and again, <coughs> starting with some long 2500 ramble, 2500 word ramble, thinking I'll cut down, then totally chunking it and all of that. Uh, I think one of the things that I hear about the MBA application is that it will be, uh, you know, it will help you figure out what you want to do because you have to introspect so much and I always sort of took this as a, I mean, I, I, I never believed that. I thought, you know, you've got to figure out what you want to do and, then, uh, and you'll be thinking about it anyway and so you will figure it out. But I think, the, the you know, the point of introspecting, the forced introspection that comes with the MBA application actually did help to figure out some of the contours of mid-term plan, long-term plan, which will still keep changing, but it was useful to think about it. Uh, I think uh, my advice in general is to uh, think and narrow down on some of the things that, you know, most vividly come to you in the last five, six years before you apply uh, and, and think of why they mean what they mean to you, whether it's a success or a failure or, or something. And, uh, and then try to sort of convey, you know, what happened uh, in that way. So at least that's probably my biggest tip. Uh, Shruti may have more better ones. Thanks. How did you write your essays? Uh, I, I had a substantially different experience to Aziz's in that I am one of those people who was like, wow, I learned so much about myself in this process. Uh, like writing the essay. Absolutely. Uh, so one thing I realized that all of these questions are designed for people who are leaders and who have done things. And uh, I didn't feel like I'd done that. Like, I didn't feel like I was a leader. So it took a lot of talking to people who had gone to business schools abroad or in India and asking them, what is this about? What are they trying to understand? What are these questions trying to get? And realizing that they're talking about the potential for leadership, right? Uh, no, like it is almost impossible for a young person to have been in a leadership role unless they have put themselves out there very, very deliberately. So that's one thing that I felt that, you know, like uh, over like five years of a career and four years of college, I had been lucky in some cases to be forced into a leadership role, uh, lucky in other ways to like just find myself in the right moment at time and live up to it. And, and for example, uh, one of those moments for me was IIT Delhi and like that, you know, that uh, the debate club and the quizzing club. Uh, and then sort of like trying to put those pins together, right? Which of like my many experiences do I honestly count as having been kind of like pivotal to me and I, I sort, sort of started seeing the pattern. So that's like the first thing. I, I felt that the process was useful. Two, this is not useful if you're not actually put yourself out there and done things, right? Then you'll realize that you like, okay, you need like another two years to do something and then maybe you can apply. Like uh, that can be a little bit of a disheartening thing, but that's kind of how I felt myself to be. Uh, I didn't feel that in my career, I had done anything close to, the, close to what people around me seemed to have done. And uh, so... I push myself much harder than like ever since I started thinking about these things. What have you accomplished, Shruti? What can you teach your peers? What can you, like, you know, why should you, like, want an MBA? So, a lot of us go through life a little bit, I would say, like, uh, directionlessly. And to me, it was a good wake-up call. Uh, Aziz has kind of, like, always been, like, an arrow, okay? Like, he's, like, I want to go, like... But, but I think very tactically also, I mean, I think often... I think we were confused about how much would we fit stories to, yes. you know, to what we think people want, what an outcome wants and what they don't want and, you know, uh, how much sort of, <coughs> how much of that should you do. And least in our experience, uh, I mean, while there will be people who may create artificial stories and still get through, but I think as an individual, if you have a story uh, that you are committed to and that your past has shown that, you know, this is why you want to do what you want to do. Uh, being honest about it is, is good and I'll give my example I worked in social impact in non-profit and one thing that came into mind is do business schools really want people uh, who want to solve social impact problems for bottom of the pyramid later and who may as well you know very easily go back to a non-profit and do it or do they want a more sexy story where you know you're a, you'll say I do a for-profit social uh, sort of you know for-profit social enterprise that will earn a ton of money while creating impact right that sort of thing Right. Uh, and so that was a big question. Okay, I mean, I could have spun my story to say, okay, you know, now I will do a for-profit social enterprise that will do X, Y, Z. Uh, and, you know, but eventually I think thinking a lot about this, uh, I felt that, you know, if they want me on the terms, on, on, on sort of my terms and in terms of what I want to do, that's how I should apply. And uh, I was lucky enough to get in. And I've seen other people also who have been pretty honest in terms of what they do, which is, it sounds not the coolest thing, like uh, something I might have non-profit sector is not going to give a huge 
sort of endowment to the business school. Uh, but uh, evidently, they do want people who are leaders in different fields, and they have this portfolio of people who are uh, who they want, right? Who are successes in different things. Yeah. And if your story is good enough to convince people that yes, he can be a success or she can be a success in in that particular field, they will probably take you. So that is also like my second takeaway, which is authenticity, right? So uh, just being who you are very clearly and having that reason and putting it out there worked very well for me in my Harvard admissions process. So our interviewer was actually like, you know, so again, like uh, I'm a textile engineer and, uh, you know, uh, so again, like very typical story, right? Got into textile, why? Because IIT Delhi mein jana tha. And I was worried about this. When they asked me this question, what am I going to say? It's a, it's a very loser sentiment, right? Like, I just wanted to get into this place. What does that show about my leadership potential? Nothing. Uh, but uh, Sarah Lucas, who was my interviewer, knew India, knew its system, and she accepted your system for what it is, right? She, no one's looking for, like, superheroes. They're looking for people trying to make good judgments and good decisions, and they treat kids like kids. So... What went well for me was that I was super authentic about the hard work I put in into Omidya Network and into Bain and the things I learned, right? So I, I think I went in like knowing a lot more about the impact industry and impact funds and what works and how do you think about it principally than a lot of people who say they want to come back into impact funds have. Like I, even now I talk to people, right, who say I'm interested in going to an impact foundation and I'm like, do you know how much money is spent in India through an impact fund? Do you think you can really build a 20-year career in that? Do you know any partners who have come from an analyst up level? <coughs> and if not, why do you say this is your career path? So just being the person who does a lot of research and is honest that I made some choices because that was, that was the best I could, screwed me very well in the interviews. Like my interviews, I walked out and I kind of like knew, like no one knows. But, but you had a good feeling. I, I, yeah, I mean it was as good as it could have been. The opposite is true for other schools, right? Like... Uh, like I think admissions is kind of like dating like you are a certain kind of person and then they find you and you might get along or you might just hate each other so that will also happen different schools have different styles Harvard and I worked very well for each other right no that's really how about you how was your interview Uh, I think very similar to what uh, what Shruti said that uh, a lot of uh, at least our interviews were about uh, the work we had done and what we yes. wanted to do going forward. So yeah. it didn't actually have some of those wacky questions like if you had one dinner guest, who would it be? And all of that, which are uh, fun things, but I think it was good we didn't have those. Hmm. Uh, we were able to talk about what we had done and what we were committed to and passionate about. Uh, and I think that worked well, especially if you have something that you are committed to and passionate about. Uh, so in that way, it, it, was, it was very good. And I think that's where also the importance of having a coherent story is important uh, is there right because if you are saying that you are doing some set of things uh, so if you've been in say private equity for six years or, or whatever or consulting for six years and then you say suddenly now I want to work in social impact or maybe vice versa uh, then it becomes a little uh, strange and of course while things do people do change but uh, but sort of some coherent story is, is useful right and did you both help each other prepare for the interviews or go through each other's essays, all of that? A lot yeah. of goodwill is required in the path to writing a good essay. and so Especially the failure essay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we had like 10 people who honestly, uh, you know, put themselves out there giving us critical feedback, right? You know, this is not working, this is working. A lot of people can say, I'll look at your essay and they'll return it to saying, you know, like with what is like structure and grammar changes? And there are very few people who will take the time out to really push you and say, this didn't work at all. And so, again, we were lucky that in our careers and our lives, we had built up enough goodwill with people that they pushed us that this is not working. And so since then, by the way, I have tried to like apply that same filter and realized, okay, no, not like, you know, maybe you need to have a certain... A tribe depth. of mentors of yes. sorts. Yeah, and it's very easy to, you know, just send back some broad platitudes or some broad criticisms, but very hard to say, you know, this is not working. Uh, and I actually, you know, for someone who's criticizing you, like if I have to criticize someone, what is the what is in it for me to criticize you? Most likely, most people will just get pissed off at me, and you know, will be sort of okay, why is this person giving me such harsh feedback? And if I say something nice broadly, they will say, oh, this person was helpful, and you know, I mean, so uh, very few people really get back to criticize. So I think making sure you have those people is important. Second thing, which is more tactical, is that make sure there are enough people also because. Uh, some, you lose perspective on giving feedback after you've given one or two rounds. 
so again with us it was useful to give feedback to each other but i think once you've read an essay like once or twice you just sort of you can't get a external perspective so i would say you know and also both of you know each other and you know each other a lot so you don't know what somebody else is thinking you don't know what is obvious to you but you know and you know what is not obvious to the other to some so unknown person and so i think like uh, you know map out the people you want to get feedback from and you know maybe to some of your some relatively uh, you know some people in the beginning and then keep some people to the end don't you know yeah. send out a first draft to all your 10 people and say yeah. please give me feedback and it doesn't need to be 10 by the way yeah like, uh, it, like if you send it to too many people i think the net result sometimes can be a mishmash yeah yeah you no, need I a very strong work ethic to basically process feedback from multiple no, you absolutely right and yeah. and you know lots of different feedback will come in and leave you more confused yeah. uh, at the end and many people we know have you know by the second month of their prep have basically thought you know one week before submission have have thought that this is terrible and worse than the first draft and as you have last recording and i think <laughs> all of us have had the same experience so uh, yeah be careful like send it maybe to three four people that you trust uh, and you know move from there yeah just uh, my final question and then the floor is all yours um uh how did the two years in school uh, prepare you or change your mind about the careers that you wanted uh both shruti you and aziz i mean the larger point i want the people listening to understand is that are these two years it's of course to some extent it's an insurance policy business school it's like it extends your network and all of that it has to become a bit of a leader but also the experiences a bit of what shruti talked about um uh, i want to understand if you want to share something with people i think shruti has had the more dramatic and amazing change so i'll let her talk more Uh, so i think uh, here i'll say something uh, in like very honestly and so you should take away from it what you want to which is that uh, i as a women professional feel that i get so much pushback and so much more self doubt than men do and uh, i think honestly it's it's just hard to explain to someone who's not felt it right uh, i i had imposter syndrome for sure i was in oen i was doing a pretty good job but i was convinced that you know like okay one day this is all just going to kind of be like what you can't even do this how are you in this job right and and by the way i have heard those remarks and like i've had mentors help me like you know that's this is true this is not true and and they like you know just taking stock and saying even if it's true you can still work on it and if it's not true you need to like deal with it so i half the reason i pushed both of us to go to business school was i felt i would learn a lot about like finance and valuations and actually the fundamentals of a business and actually talking to others who are acknowledged experts and i think if i can talk to these people now and compare myself to them then in my mind i'll finally kind of like get some closure uh it's not a, it's not the only reason at all right uh but you know so many times i see these like leaders say things like oh mba is this mba is that and like, you should do this and you should do that it just comes from such a position of i think privilege and a position of like just knowing that if you do something people will take a chance on you it's just not true for everyone in this world and like it's it's just it's a like literally very clear there's structural <coughs> systematic uh reasons why people of a certain set can do better and others can't and structurally i could see that working against me at some point even when i was fundraising for my company right now so we i have had candid feedback from people saying okay she's a girl but what if she never gets this company started off what if she can never put a team together what if she can never get that transaction done i don't know uh, like i again like no tooting my own horn but like in the 3 months since we've been back we, i have raised funding we put together a killer team i have gotten a co-founder who is to die for and i have actually gotten a product that is genuinely interesting to me as a life like as a lifetime like kind of like work now whether i get vc funding or not i genuinely don't care as much because i have realized that i have found meaning in the work right so i know i've done well but you will still find these people who are willing to take a risk on like a team that is 10 like you know honestly look 10 like male faces in a row but they're not willing to take a risk on like a female founder saying that i am doing this solo of course i kept adding things in as it went on so uh, and but like my the my investor the first guy i talked to and really felt a connect to he put money on me basically the first day like we had a good conversation and he was not worried that i'm a woman he was not worried that i am at that point a solo founder he's not worried that i don't have a team around me and he truly just genuinely kind of like believes in me and i asked him later on 
you know, I shared some of my experiences with him and I asked him, what do we do and how do we think about this? And he said, look, I am shocked, but uh, like, you know, I, I know where, like where it's coming from and we'll deal with it. And uh, so it wasn't even that he thought that I'm like some red hot, like, you know, like, uh, like HBS, MBA return, he knew kind of like the challenge with trying to start up in this uh, space. So uh, again, like, so, so like uh, to revert, right? An MBA is a great option for anyone who wants to meet people who are smart and who don't have like the circle of privilege to introduce them to it, right? MBA mein jana bhi is like a circle of privilege, like let us be clear, but there's like levels and levels. What a, what someone else, like, you know, if you want to go into Silicon Valley tomorrow and get a job, na, it's not that easy. But if you go to any MBA college and what have you done essentially different in your like two years is that you have gotten to know some people and attend some classes. Doesn't fundamentally change the person. But then VC suddenly knows that you are kind of like someone has looked at you and verified who you are and that someone probably knows India and probably knows what you're talking about and probably knows if what you are doing was right or not. So they just use that as a proxy to decide, okay, someone else has done the check and I will do it. So this is the reason why MBAs exist and this is the reason why schools exist and uh, that, that was my take on it. I feel we need to do a, a deeper dive or a special masterclass on what she just said. I mean. I mean, with a CV and a set of accomplishments like hers, if that's the experience that you go through, it's, it's truly shocking, right? I mean, we will do this. I'll take you up on this. And you know, there are some things which are lived experiences, right? What you just mentioned, I know that a lot of men do not feel that, even who are much less accomplished than you. Can I share something that uh, yeah. is really fun, okay? So after a lifetime of being like uh, the woman who's trying to make other people listen to me and therefore having a lot of coping mechanisms about it. Uh, when I went to HBS and I was in that classroom and speaking up, uh, I had a great test case which is like Aziz, you know, like going in the same classroom without my coping strategies and feeling what it is like to not be suddenly the respected source, the source of truth. Like this person obviously knows that like this is person worth listening to. Uh, and, and yeah, so when you go to a foreign MBA, it's like suddenly you're like this ethnic person who's in the class for diversity purposes. And I'm used to that. And most men around me, not used to it. Most VCs around me, not used to it. Most anyone who's not like straight and narrow, like suddenly like gets this like feeling of what is diversity about. And I'm like, okay, worse. Now let me tell you how to cope with it. So that was great. Yeah, I definitely struggled because for the first time I was... Uh, I mean, as a guy, so that's still male privilege was there. Uh, but I was not an American person, and I was also from the social impact, not for profit sector. So you know, a lot of people who were from the, uh, you know, wanted to network with the like the Americans who will make a ton of money, obviously did not want to necessarily meet me, right? So I think those things are there, and even within privilege, there is other uh, levels. But I think, yeah, uh, I mean the unfortunate thing that I think women or, or many other like different groups within India face, I think can actually become strengths down the road uh, because that experience really toughens you up. Actually, let me offer that orthogonal experience. Most of you have, if you're not an IITian, that's the kind of like suddenly like that, that feeling you get that, oh, I'm IITian versus non-IITian, how seriously someone taking me? That's pretty much, I think, how all women are living their lives all the time, whether IITian or not. Um, just to close this particular thing, we will do the masterclass, I promise. Uh, Aziz joined Pratham uh, to head their strategy, right? Yeah. Which is where you are right now. A very unconventional move. And Shruti also decided to set up a travel experiences platform, a very unconventional move, right? So these are also alternatives that you can do. Although while you're at MBA, a lot of people will start with this consulting, investing uh, experience again, right? The pre go through it, like do whatever it is, somehow get me into consulting. Yes. Why? For the same reason that we discussed. Like at some point you need to decide who you are and what problem you want to solve. Yes. So I think I hope you all will use your MBA or advanced degree or whatever towards that end. Um, 